Chapter Twenty One of A Little Queen of Hearts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Fatma da Silva. A Little Queen of Hearts by Ruth Ogden. What happened in the smallest church in England? For some reason or other, the spirits of our driving party seemed steadily rising. It was simply impossible to put anybody out of humour, no matter what happened. Everything was lovely and just as it should be, even to the pelting showers that came down with such swift suddenness as to almost soak them through before they could get under cover of waterproofs and umbrellas and then a moment after left them stranded in brilliant sunshine, fairly steaming within the rubber coats, which, with much difficulty, had but just been adjusted. Indeed, every day seemed more full of enjoyment than the one that preceded it, and to call for more enthusiasm. If anyone had asked Mr. Harris, for instance, how he accounted for this, he would probably have laughed good-naturedly at the question and answered why easily enough how could it be otherwise with this glorious weather this beautiful country and our jolly little party but the real secret of what made the party so jolly was in fact quite beyond mr harris's ability to divine the real secret lay with marie celeste and dorothy in the good news that had been committed to their keeping and strange to say it seemed to mean as much to dorothy who was no relation of theodore's as to marie celeste who was as a result they were both brimming over with fun and merriment and as there is fortunately nothing in the world more contagious than good spirits the other members of the party were equally merry without in the least knowing why even mr farwell who had simply been invited to fill up and because he was a friend of mr harris's fell under the spell and bloomed out in a most surprising and delightful manner and by the time the first week was over felt as though he had known them all his life and indeed very much regretted that such was not in truth the case from the waterhead hotel at coniston the plan had been laid to retrace their way a few miles over the same road by which they had come from windermere make a stop for two or three hours at the rothy hotel and then drive on to keswick that same afternoon but just as they were rolling into grasmere the off-leader with a total depravity peculiar to animal nature struck the only stone visible within a hundred yards on that perfect roadway laming himself instantly and in most pronounced fashion this chanced to be the first mishap but then could you really call an accident a mishap that simply necessitated a three-day stay in the beautiful wordsworth district our sunshiny little party at any rate chose not so to regard it and scoured the whole lovely region on foot reading wordsworth's poetry in their halts by the roadside and growing familiar with every foot of the lanes he so dearly loved not content with their morning spent in the grasmere church 
and beside his grave in the little churchyard without they even made their way to wordsworth's old home beautiful rydal mount hoping on the strength of a card of introduction to the gentleman residing there to possibly be allowed to see the house the gentlemen however when they presented themselves at his door politely bowed them out instead of in and they were fain to content themselves with the lesser privilege of inspecting the prettily terraced garden when after the three days rest the off-leader had been coaxed into proper driving condition they started off once more but rather late in the afternoon planning to take things in quite leisurely fashion out of regard for the same off-leader and depending upon the wonderful english twilight to bring them into keswick before ten o'clock it happened to be a local holiday in cumberland and as a result here and there they encountered a solitary specimen of humanity prone upon his back or his face just as it chanced by the roadside or not quite so badly off as that reeling along to wherever home might be in that apparently houseless region at six o'clock on one of the highest points on the road that leads to keswick they stopped at their nag's head a typical roadside inn for supper the sounds of revelry in whose tap-room at once accounted for the sorry customers they had met upon the road before they reached it it was exceedingly interesting to the american contingent of the party to gain a little insight into the life of the english navvies and they passed the little tap-room reeking with smoke and smelling of pipes and beer mugs rather more often than circumstances would warrant for the sake of looking in on the jolly fellows and catching a sentence or so of their almost unintelligible dialect a truce to all this however for fear you should imagine and with reason that even at this late stage i am going to fare so wide of my province of storyteller as to conduct you in guide-book fashion through the counties of westmoreland and cumberland but nevertheless up to this same nag's head in we simply had to come because someone else in whom we have an interest is coming there too as fast as a good road horse can carry him it seems that opposite the nag's head in the church of england has built a tiny edifice and as though to apologize for the apparent unreasonableness of building any church there whatsoever they have made a most miniature affair of it a placard suspended within proclaims the fact that it is the smallest church in all england and beneath it a contribution box of dimensions out of all proportion to the surroundings invites spare shillings for the maintenance of the lonely little parish the peculiar isolation of the place appeals to the average tourist in most pathetic fashion and no sooner have our friends of the driving party crowded within the diminutive door than mr harris hat in hand commences to take up a collection with a view to making a radical addition to the contents of the roomy contribution box just as he is concluding the exercise of this truly churchly function and marie celeste is dropping her very last sixpence 
into the depths of the appealing hat the little doorway is suddenly darkened as it has need to be when anyone comes through it and in the next second ted is standing in their midst the collection goes sliding on to the floor to be recollected at leisure and everybody with the exception of mr farwell is trying to seize ted's hand at once precedence however is given to the claims of marie celeste and the upturned face is greeted with the most prodigious kiss i thought we should happen to meet you somewhere on this trip said mr harris when things had subsided enough for an attempt at conversation groping the while on all fours and with harold's help for the fugitive shillings on the floor well you can hardly call it happening to meet when i've been riding since early this morning to catch you i expected to overtake you at grasmere but found you were well on your way to keswick by the time i reached it well where did you come from anyhow old fellow asked harold pleased beyond measure that ted had seen fit to follow them up in this fashion he could not imagine whatever had suddenly brought it about after all the neglect of the summer but that did not in the least diminish his delight i came from home harold ted replied i went back there two weeks ago but it was so lonely i couldn't stand it and so when i found out through the allens about where you were i came post haste after you besides you know when i discovered that my brake had been walked off with in a rather cool fashion i concluded i had some rights in the case and came to look after them i see it's been terribly abused glancing in the direction of the brake which minus the horses stood in front of the inn across the narrow road it was as good as new when you started but these last remarks so like the old ted but for the fact that he was not in the least in earnest were hardly listened to at all by harold he was thinking his own glad thoughts five weeks yet till the harrises would sail for home ted would have a chance to redeem himself in that time and make up for all his coldness and neglect and the joy of it all was that it looked as though he was going to try to do it half crown please for being permitted to join the party said mr harris presenting the hat to ted after making sure that none of the coins were still missing and ted though wholly bent on practicing close economy felt the circumstances justified the outlay and did as he was bid there was only one person to whom ted's coming was not a source of unalloyed pleasure the addition of a seventh member to the party made it necessary that someone should occupy the vacant back seat on the brake between the grooms and mr farwell was gentleman enough to insist upon being allowed to take his regular turn in the matter he would not have minded this much however only that being endowed with average qualities of discernment he soon realized he had been obliged to take a back seat in more senses than one dorothy continued to be most polite and friendly but that ted filled the role of an old and privileged friend was at once evident on the face of things 
and Mr. Farwell endeavoured to accept the situation with the best grace possible, and succeeded, be it said to his credit, remarkably well. Mr. and Mrs. Harris were soon taken into Ted's confidence, the very next day, in fact, as they were sitting in the garden of the hotel at Keswick, and listened as raptly to his narration of all that had happened these last few weeks as the little circle outside the cottage door had listened to Marie Celeste. Ted, however, made no excuses for himself, whereas Marie Celeste's account was full of them, and so one narration was naturally far less plausible than the other. The one fact that seemed to Mr. and Mrs. Harris to defy credulity was that Ted should have fallen into the hands of the Hartleys, for in what other little cottage in all England could such a transformation have been wrought? Where else could he have been brought into such close touch with all the old home interests as he had been there, first through Chris and afterward through Donald and Marie Celeste? And where else could he have come to see so clearly that he had been willfully trampling upon all that is truest and best in life? "'Fritz,' said Mrs. Harris that evening, as in company with Marie Celeste they were strolling home from an hour spent in the little churchyard where the great poet Southey is buried. "'I think it is beautiful to realize what a grand part Providence plays in the world.' "'Providence,' said Marie Celeste thoughtfully. "'Really, I do not know just what people mean by Providence. "'The word is from the Latin.' said her father who with most college men liked to bring his knowledge of derivations to the front now and then and the dictionary i think would tell you that it means god's thoughtful care for everything created exactly said mrs harris only it seems to me that people are often in too much of a hurry to make use of the word for you can't be certain until you are able to look back upon a thing whether it was surely of God's ordering or man's short-sighted scheming. Still, I am inclined to believe, even at this stage of the proceeding, that our coming over here this summer has indeed been a beautiful providence, and a few weeks later, for good and sufficient reasons, there was not a shadow of doubt on that score left in the mind of anyone. End of What Happened in the Smallest Church in England